Hey there, my name is Shane Craddock and this is the Inner Edge podcast where I share a different take on how to lead and live a sustainable high performance life. Over the course of different episodes, I'm going to challenge the belief that tension, stress and struggle are essential to success and creativity. My experience is that there's an easier way, there's a better way and indeed there's an essential way that we need to explore for the times that we live in. So let's go ahead, let's jump in and explore. Hello there, welcome to today's episode. Uh, I hope wherever you are in the world, you're good. This particular episode is a continuation from a previous one from last week. This is part two uh, of what I'm calling uh, How to Leverage the Entrepreneurial Mind. Uh, now, in the previous episode, I was talking about the root word of the of entrepreneur, which was uh, from the 13th century f- French, entreprendre, excuse my pronunciation for any avid French people or followers there. Uh, but essentially, the root of that is it, it translates to mean to undertake, entreprendre, to undertake. And obviously, over time, then it became very much associated with business, um, which is fine. But I still prefer myself the the range that that entreprendre, the undertaking definition gives. So it kind of moves beyond just business. And I think the entrepreneurial mind to me is something that can be used, obviously in business, but but actually beyond that. And in the previous episode, I was talking about the fact that there are certain uh, mental habits that very good entrepreneurs you'll see have, but also very, I think, creative people have. Anybody who's kind of a high achiever in any field will generally have aspects of what I call the entrepreneurial mind. And there's certain kind of habits, certain traits, inner traits. And uh, I was exploring one or two of them last week. And one of the ones we landed on last week was about thinking big. And a lot of people can think big, but very often they... Something else gets in the way of that, which I'm going to link a little bit into today, um, because it comes into so many different things, and it's not just it, it affects not just thinking big; it also affects taking risks. It affects uh, ability to speak up, to try something new, um, to live a better life, a higher life. Actually, this thing really has a big impact on. So, what I'm going to talk about is um, an entrepreneurial mind, like a genuinely entrepreneurial mind, has learned to ignore their inner voice when it comes to fear, bad fear in particular. And most fear that we have inside is bad fear. Now, we're going to explore that a little bit. I think um, there's a famous expression which came from a book, I believe, by Susan Jeffers. don't know how, maybe it could be 30, 40 years ago. Feel the fear and do it anyway. It's almost like it's a well-known slogan. But like any slogan, it's grand to say it, but do we live it? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Hard, hard many times to do that. Um, little story I was speaking a few years ago at a, an event for the alumni of uh, the Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Big um, global uh, event or competition for top business people. But I was at the Irish one, uh, the Irish alumni. And afterwards, I stayed at the dinner. And I was sitting beside one of the finalists for that current year. A lovely guy had a very interesting company. And the subject of courage came up. He was kind of sharing with me that people kept on saying to him, uh, God, you know, he was he was so brave, he was so courageous, they wished they could be like that. Um, but he was kind of saying to them and then to me that he didn't see himself as courageous or brave, which, which was interesting. He just said, look, I, I was working for somebody else. I saw this opportunity. You could call it a gap in the market. And it just seemed really logical to take it. And after that, I just said, let's go for it. Um, he said, I didn't have a big master plan. He said, that kind of has evolved over time. 
I just kind of went for it. In a way, he was kind of saying, I just felt the fear and I just said, okay, I'm going to ignore it. So he did feel fear and continuously felt fear, but seemed to kind of find a way to just ignore it. Feel the fear and do it anyway, I guess. Um, a few years ago, I was working with a very interesting guy called Chris Levine, who is the only light artist I've ever worked with. Chris is uh, a Briton, based outside London. Um, and he's an expert, or was an expert originally on lasers and the artistic use of lasers. So he'd be somebody who would light up a, a rock concert, a music show. He's done work for like Green Day and Grace Jones. And over time, he was playing around with lasers and he started to get into holographic kind of stuff, holograms, and which at the core are lasers. And uh, one of his friends, a very famous photographer in the fashion world called Mario Testino, had suggested to him that, hey, there's a very interesting project coming up, I think a commission, I think you should put your name in. And the commission was actually to do um, a portrait for the queen. And he was thinking, well, really? You know, I'm not too sure about that. And obviously, you know, your, your mind will doubt all sorts of different things. The inner voice of fear, VOF, the voice of fear. But anyway, he put in his application and lo and behold, he won. Won it. I ended up sitting in Buckingham Palace, I believe, for I think about three days. He had all these cameras around the queen. Said she was lovely to deal with. He had tea with her and very patient, and he created this beautiful image, Portrait of the Queen, which is a hologram, and it's pretty big. I think the original was called Equanimity. Uh, it certainly was in the Tate Gallery in London, as part of the, the, the National Portrait Gallery, I think, but I'm um, not too sure if it's there now, but it, it became very famous. It ended up on the cover of Time magazine. It ended up on the cover of the Sunday Times magazine and many, many other um, publications. It's a very iconic image, and it had got international acclaim. But what, what I find funny and interesting with, again, working with people like Chris, who are seen as obviously and rightly um, top of their game, high achievers in their field, Chris will tell you that he would have often felt fear putting himself forward for that and then afterwards trying to get it out there, doing exhibitions. But over time, he's become a very celebrated, renowned artist globally. And Chris, to me, is an example of an, who's somebody who's an artist, who's an artist, but he's using the entrepreneurial mind in different ways. Again, thinking big, but most importantly in this context, listening to that inner voice, but actually still just doing what you have to do. And I think very often people think if they that nobody who achieves feels fear, obviously, if you listen to this, you're probably one of those people, I think. It doesn't mean you don't feel fear. I will say it does seem at times for people that fear can come in sneakily. Sometimes you don't realize it's there. You go, oh, I was only talking to somebody actually last week who, when I was talking about some of this kind of stuff, they just looked at me in shock and said, oh my God, I've just realized that there's been this tiny little voice at the back of my mind for the last three months and it's actually stopped me doing so much. It's actually stopped me even enjoying my life. And um, by the way, if you want to check out stuff on Chris and his great work, because he's done some really cool work and portraits, um, chrislevine.com, L-E-V-I-N-E.com. Um a kind of a left of field personal story in this context is to do with massage. So what probably a lot of people don't know, I'll just be honest. I, I have a qualification. I got it many years ago, maybe 20, 25 years ago in key massage. So key massage or key is a, I think it's a kind of Korean or Japanese word for energy. It's like chi in Tai Chi. It's key, same thing. So this is kind of, it's the application of uh, using Healing energy in with physical massage. 
Anyway, I had always had this thing as a child that, oh, I, I think I'd like to at some point explore doing something like massage. I never wanted to be a masseur. I just felt it was kind of something that would be a useful personal thing to do. And I remember seeing this course, <laughs> I don't know, 24, 25 years ago, and saying it casually to my girlfriend at the time, saying, oh, I was thinking of doing this. And I'll never forget the look she gave me. She said, oh, my God, that's so pervy. Weird. Why would you do something like that? And inside I was like, oh, no, we're not, we're not going to do that course. That clearly didn't go down well. <laughs> anyway, so I didn't do it. And I missed the sign-up date. And I was so annoyed with myself. I was really, really annoyed with myself. And I said, oh, God's sake, Shane, why did you listen? Like, I, I, next year, I'm going to do it. So I came around again for sign-up the following year. I didn't tell anybody. I just did it. And as soon as I got to the first day of the course, I realized, man, this is brilliant. It was just fantastic. But particularly, though, because I was, had to learn about Qi, Qi, Asian philosophy, the Eastern mysticism, in a way, inner philosophy. And that opened a door that is still being explored by me. And it had a major impact on my life to the extent that, to be honest with you, I mightn't even be doing this podcast or some of my work if I hadn't taken that step, if I hadn't ignored my own inner voice because I was afraid of what people would think. But a side point on that as well is that um, towards the end of the program or the course, you had to practice, obviously, on people. So I said, look, I have to practice, you know, face massage, neck massage, whatever, on my girlfriend. And actually, it turned out some of her friends. And, of course, they all loved it. She loved it. All of a sudden, it was cool. <laughs> and I think that's part of almost the entrepreneurial mindset in a way. You kind of have to do things when people say, no, that's stupid. That's not going to work do it. And in time, what, what you'll often find in any field is that very often, okay, when, you, when it works, when people are more open-minded, they go, oh, that's really cool. And they forget that they even said, don't do it, or they were slagging you off. Um, little plug, um, part of the reason, as I said last week, that I'm doing this particular topic, and last week is my program Mindshift is coming up the start of February, and it's a little bit different. So like Mindshift is about building in habits to succeed in the digital age. But we've added on very unique collaboration with a brilliant guy called Gary Fox, who's host of the Entrepreneur Experiment. And so because of Gary's input, I've, I've kind of cultivated the content more towards how do successful entrepreneurs think, and then how do you apply that in real life? Because the program, which runs over eight weeks, is all about application. Application, application to get results, to help you improve in your career, but also, and very importantly, to help you improve your sense of quality of life. Really, really important. And too many entrepreneurs I know are weak on that side, and that's where they need to up their game in particular. Anyway, end of plug. The details, if you're interested, um, I'm expecting it to be full pretty soon. If it resonates, consider joining me. The link will be in the show notes. So some questions for you to think about in relation to the topic today. What, deep down, would you love to do or try that for whatever reason, you're not letting yourself. And like, if there is something, like what is there, what's the inner voice saying about it? Or what's your gut or your intuition at you? Like what's it, what's it kind of nudging you at to start or to try or to do? There's probably something there. Could be something very simple on the personal side. Maybe it's an idea even on the business side or a new direction or a big change to make. Like, where would you like to take action, but you're afraid? Maybe you're afraid of what people will say. Maybe you're afraid of failing. 
Maybe you're afraid of something else. But what would happen if you just ignored the VOF, the voice of fear? There's definitely going to be something there. I mean, from my own experience, the best of the best always have different levels of fear at different times for different reasons. You may have no fears. You think, I guarantee, I guarantee you that there's going to be something in there. I'm curious if you want to let me know if you found something. And then maybe did you take action around an experiment? I've been a bit like me with my weird massage course. <laughs> then when you jump in and just do something that your gut tells you, this is, this is it, just do it. Just do it. And for me, what happened then was I discovered something completely unexpected, which is around really the inner side of things and a different approach to life. That was such a game changer for me. And if I hadn't taken that step to do the weird, the weird course, which was brilliant, by the way, um, I, I don't know. My, my life would be very, very different. Really, really would. So I wonder what difference you can bring to your life by testing the voice of fear, by ignoring it, feeling the fear, maybe doing it anyway. So to close out, a couple of points. One is, for me, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to use your entrepreneurial mind. Everybody has one. You can use it creatively like Chris. You can use it in your life. Or you can use it in business. Um, and then the other one is, you know, maybe it's time to kind of go back to that book from Susan Jefferson. As an entrepreneur, you can feel the fear, don't fight the fear, but you have a choice. You can just ignore the fear and then just do it anyway. That's it for this week. Ciao for now.